This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Real creativity and innovative thinking may seem like rare qualities, but an education expert says these skills can be taught to children by their parents. We'll have the story. Fewer and fewer students are coming in having built something, having used drill presses. And if you look at that, that makes sense because we've gotten rid of a lot of the traditional tech classes or the shop classes or even the home ec classes. Then, can an ancient technique actually reboot the immune system and make chemotherapy more effective? A medical doctor shares the amazing details. People think of something that is fairly straightforward and non-dangerous, but actually it can be very, very powerful. And you can think of it as as powerful as a cocktail of very strong drugs. Those stories and more are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack, right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. The future of American innovation depends on the kids of today. But are schools no longer teaching basic skills of creativity? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talks with an education expert who says parents can help teach their kids to be innovative thinkers. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Anne-Marie Thomas is an associate professor in the School of Engineering at the University of St. Thomas, and she's written a book called Making Makers, Kids, Tools, and the Future of Innovation. Let's start with the name of your book. What do you mean by making makers? We're in the midst of a growing movement, the maker movement, worldwide, of people celebrating makers of things, be them hobbyists or those people that create things you know, for a living. And as we see this growing, we see things such as maker spaces and maker fairs popping up around the country. I became really curious about what all the adult makers who were presenting were like as kids. You know, what drove them to be the inventors and innovators and engineers that they are today? And I understand that you came into this because you found that many of your engineering students in college were woefully unable to make things with their hands, right? Yeah, you know, I was hearing that from lots of engineering professors. I'm pretty lucky. I'm in a very hands-on school, and many of our students come in with experience, or they come here because they want to build things. And it's been kind of through many of our engineering magazines and organizations, we keep hearing that fewer and fewer students are coming in having built something, having used drill presses. And if you look at that, that makes sense because we've gotten rid of a lot of the traditional tech classes or the shop classes or even the home ec classes. And so to see this really grassroots movement where people are kind of refining that and celebrating that is really exciting. Now, you notice this in engineering students, but why do you believe that this is something that every parent should be concerned about? Well, I think when we look at the world, we have to be makers. We eat food that someone prepared for us. Maybe we don't even know who it was, but someone somewhere was involved in the making of it. We need shelter. We need makers. And it used to be sort of a given that we all could fix things and know where the things we used came from. And if you look at people who are creating the solutions to problems we see today or exciting new technology, many of whom I got to speak to during the writing of this book, they all had childhoods where they were actively encouraged to explore the things around them, take things apart, take some risks. And as we take some of that away from kids, parents get quite upset if a kid takes apart their iPad. It's a little harder than taking apart, you know, the radio might have been 20 years ago. We take away that opportunity for those kids to really understand how the world around them works, particularly while they're young enough to really still believe they can do anything and that they can really change things. And that's kind of what you want them to grow up with. So if we don't give them the opportunities young to be makers, it's going to be much harder for them to make really innovative new things as they age. Do you think all of this is teachable as opposed to some innate characteristics of personalities? I'll give you an example. Two of my brothers can do anything with their hands, and I'm all thumbs. There are some personal gifts that people have, right? Sure, and you know, the fun thing 
thing here is this isn't about becoming the best maker in the room. It's not about becoming the best programmer or the best woodworker. One of the phrases I love is the idea of amateur development, not professional development, but really feeling like you could learn new things. And I've never met a kid who didn't want to jump into the art supplies or the Play-Doh or you know, explore the things around them. As we get older, more and more of us lose that. I think it's almost more about maintaining your maker spirit as you get older. So I strongly believe that we all innately have some of that. We might not be all equally good at different aspects of it, but that we all you know, inherently can make something. And shouldn't be afraid about whether or not we feel like we're all thumbs and they don't work out well. You know, I've made some dresses that are a little embarrassing, but, you know, I made them. I get better every time I make one. Then I can keep going, even though I'm not, you know, a little kid anymore. We're talking with Anne-Marie Thomas. She's an associate professor in the School of Engineering at the University of St. Thomas and the author of Making Makers, Kids' Tools and the Future of Innovation. Anne-Marie, tell us a little bit about what happens in that collaborative process. You wrote about this where young people have to work together as a team to make something. Yeah, almost all projects involve sharing knowledge, sharing tools, sharing effort and space with each other. And I was really struck, actually, when my oldest daughter hit kindergarten, that a few weeks into kindergarten, she was taught to keep her eyes on her own work. She had her first standardized test in October of her kindergarten year, and she had a privacy folder put up. And after, you know, mom and dad telling her for years to share and help each other, you know, that was the first time she was struck with the, oh, no, this is my work and I shouldn't look over there. And we do teach kids that at some point. But if you look at most endeavors where things are designed or problems are solved or organizations, we have to share. We have to. We don't expect anyone to be the expert in everything. We have to learn how to get that information from each other. And we see a lot of that in the maker movement where people are going to these fairs and showing the things that they've built or the things that don't work and helping each other. There are so many online sharing sites now where people who have similar interests, be it on Arduino microcontrollers or sewing or steampunk costumes, are sharing information really freely in a way that maybe is almost unprecedented thanks to the internet, where you can find hundreds of people or thousands of people who are willing to help you on problems or even you know give you the plans to the things they're selling. This whole idea of open source hardware where you could buy you know some electronics kits, but the companies now are even giving you the plans so you can make your own, which turns our traditional way of making and selling and patenting and hiding the plans a little bit on its ear. And I think it goes to this idea of generosity and collaboration. There has never been a time in history when so many resources were at someone's fingertips to learn anything they wanted to learn, and particularly this sort of hands-on stuff, video, things online and so forth, that can help someone. Exactly. You know, we have a project in our lab where we make conductive and insulating Play-Doh so you can sculpt circuits. And I can get an email from a mom in Latvia. I've gotten that email, you know, with a picture of the circuit that's not working, and I can fix it from my office in Minnesota, send her the plans, and, you know, have her send me the picture of the blinking light later. That is unprecedented. But it's pretty powerful. It means that if you have the knowledge, you can share it. Is there a role that middle schools and high schools need to be playing in this process? Maybe something they should be doing differently? Yeah, you know, for me, the best part of making is that it's about exploring and it's about being curious and trying new things. And they don't always work the first time you do them. And so I think we have to give all kids a space to work on projects and explore things where it's not the end goal that necessarily is the driving factor. If you're going to get a grade on it or it's going to, we're going to race these and it's a competition, that's different than letting kids take the knowledge they have and really explore things in a free-form way. And maybe that's why we liked some of the shop classes and home ec classes. I remember making things that you know, had a little bit of unique need to them. It wasn't something that was easy to grade and it wasn't a right answer or a wrong answer. So giving kids an opportunity for that. I think for all of us, it's also stepping back and letting kids explore. We don't know what skills they need. We don't know which things they'll find interesting. So the more things we expose them to and then let them take on the responsibility to learn, really the more empowered we're making them. 
That is one of the great challenges that parents face these days is rather than hours upon hours in front of another video game, what can parents do to encourage their kids to be makers? What kind of activities do you recommend that parents get their kids involved in? You know, from a very young age, I've gotten my kids involved with sewing. You know, from the age of two or three, they've had they've had needles and cooking and even learning basic circuitry. If your kid really loves video games, that's awesome. Teach them how to make them. Teach them the program. Groups like the MIT Media Lab have provided free software, Scratch, Scratch Junior, for kids who can't even read yet, to learn the basics of programming. So, you know, rather than just passively taking in a television show, they could be creating their own little animations. I think it's also to show them that you're still learning. So I think all parents, we can't just say, oh, our kids aren't running around outside, or our kids aren't trying new things. You know, we have to do that with them. You know, take on a project with them. You don't have to be the expert. It's okay to show your kids that you don't have all the answers. The fun part actually is finding those answers together, taking on that new project together and you know, hopefully succeeding at it. As far as the difference between boys and girls, it seems like boys gravitate towards engineering far more than girls do. Is there anything in particular that parents can help girls in in that aspect? You know, everyone is different, and the motivations for going into the fields often change. There's been a lot of research done in engineering in particular about how particularly women and minorities are often very interested in how engineering can help others. You know, how does engineering help our community? What kind of biomedical devices could we work on? What artistic expression and creativity, what aspects of that can we apply through engineering? Less so about necessarily you know, building the fastest robot or a competition. So I think the key thing is making sure that all the different applications of engineering and of science and really of any field are shown, particularly highlighting the impact that they make. Professor Anne-Marie Thomas from the School of Engineering at the University of St. Thomas and the author of the book, Making Makers, Kids, Tools, and the Future of Innovation. Anne-Marie, do you have a website? We do, if you go to makingmakersbook.com. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you so much for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, can an ancient technique boost the immune system and make chemotherapy more effective? A medical doctor shares some startling research. Coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 